looks like we've got us a convoy. I have no fucking clue who Adam Smith is. He helped me draw some knowledge, so... Oh, yeah? You know, I'll give him a shout-out. Sure, thanks, Adam Smith. Actually, I feel really awkward giving a shout-out to someone that I have no fucking clue what they actually did. Revoking my shout-out to Adam Smith. Just this one particular article within the Adam Smith Institute website that I utilize. That's the only thing I appreciate about it. Yeah, Adam Smith could be like a murderer <laughs> and a rapist, and you're just like, well, he's great. You're just yeah, shout-out to that guy. Let's hit up that Maxwell lady while we're at it, too. Shout out to her wishing her well. <laughs> Fucking. A shout out to Casey Anthony. She wrote a good article one time. <laughs> yeah, that one time she did that one really cool thing. Yeah, because she wrote that article it, right? in high school newspaper. And... Oh, my God. Yeah, I think she was like her sixth grade treasurer. That's pretty rad. Yeah. So shout yeah. out to Casey Anthony for doing that. <laughs> we were going to have Manson trouble, you know. Write like a bunch of books, too. There was somebody else that came to mind that wrote a book, but I'm not. I, I'm <laughs> we're not going to get it. <laughs> Maybe somebody of authority. Yeah, I think we're going to draw the line at Charles Mann because he <laughs> could kind of be joked about in that light. <laughs> Maybe we can draw. There's, a, there's a line. I just ran up to it, saw it, and I was like, <laughs> no. Stop no. the time. Yeah, I'm good. Not crossing. It was a cliff. It was a line right off a fucking cliff, and I wasn't coming back from it. Draw the line at Charles Manson is my favorite sentence. Oh, yeah, that's fine. He intros a Death Grip song. It's pretty rad. Does he? Yeah. What song? Beware. Oh. Okay. I don't want to take my time going to work. I got a motorcycle and a sleeping bag. Ten or fifteen girls. What the hell I want to go off and go to work for? Yeah, what a classic. Charles Manson, man. I make the money. I rolled the nickels. It's like him in court. Like one of his court hearings, and they just cut it and put it at the beginning while their songs fucking slaps. That's brilliant. It's classy. It's in taste, in good taste. Yeah, Charles Manson. I mean, yeah, as as good of taste as Charles Manson can get. Right. You you thought drawing the line at Charles Manson was all right? We're just saying he's flat out in good taste. Can't believe Charles Manson is the shout out for this week's episode of the Fetch Shock Podcast. Big shout out to Charlie Manson. B- big old Chuck Manson. Cool C Manson. <laughs> this is what we called him in grade school kindergarten yeah and you and manson were really tight you might also say that we were like we were like a family me and and charlie manson were like a family yeah we were that tight that was the gang part of the same family cut from the same cloth yep weaved on the same commune (laughs) oh this took a dark turn oh i'm just glad that i didn't go off on origin or else this would have been way fucking worse oh mine conf that's a good one (laughs) good read good article that he wrote Yep. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week, nerds. <laughs> what is up, bozos? And welcome back to a whoa, whoa, episode. whoa, whoa! What? Hold up. What's up, bet nails to the band hammer? Welcome to the Stop Trying to Make Fetch Happen podcast. I'm still not your host. It's complicated with Burning Tree Emissary. And joining me today is your host, someone as useless as a zero one blue animal creature token without master waves. How you doing, man? It's not gonna happen. <laughs> You slippery fuck, you. <laughs> you dirty worst. dog. Yeah, not the worst one. Might you be better dirty than last dog. week. Me and Burning Tree are a little better than last week, but I don't know. We're still a little rocky. And uh, you're just as useless as ever, so math checks out. Yeah, no, useless checks out for me. And, well, Burning Tree Emissary and you can't really get along that well. No, we're always on the rocks, honestly. Yeah, because that's a good card. 
And you right. always play fucking awful cards. True. But she was printed at Common, so she's my girl. True. Yeah, so you do share that bond. But for those of you who are not familiar, joining me this week, a friend from last week. You are our first, like, back-to-back return guest. It's Rupert. I'm honored. Howdy, y'all. It's good to yeah, be back. Yeah, welcome back, dude. Um, again, <laughs> Matt had his he baby. Still, yeah, he still has the same baby. No, I thought, no, he went out and got a new baby. Oh, he didn't like the first one. A lot yeah. of people don't. That's cool. They just drop it off at the fire department, and then they go back and have a new one. No, I thought they dropped it off at the stork, and the stork took it somewhere else. Oh, that might be the case. I don't know. Kids hear so many different stories, they don't know what to believe anymore. That's true. Santa Claus takes them and then gives it to the tooth fairy, and the tooth fairy turns it into nickels that they then put underneath pillows after they take teeth, and that's how babies are. Yeah, all well managing to escape the chupacabra. Yeah, yo, yeah. The chupacabra <laughs> was, I thought that was just obvious. I didn't think I needed it. Far out process. <laughs> well, this is already off the rails. But yeah, Rupert, welcome back. <laughs> right back I, on the rails. Thank you. I specifically wanted to have you on again to cover one topic. Correct. And I'm so excited to talk about it. It's my favorite part of magic. And that is why I wanted you back for it. Because there is one thing that you do that I, you have a, at least a more unique approach than anybody I've ever met. And maybe a more holistic approach than anybody I've ever met. The only person I can think of that looks at this specific thing in as different of a way is maybe Kevin, who was already on the podcast. <laughs> but you look Kevin. at yeah, you look at it in a very fun way. Kevin looks at it in a very uh, degenerate way. Let's say. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We all have our approach. I'm not really <laughs> out there to win. I'm only out there to have fun. I'm a man of flavor. You are a man of flavor. And you Guy Fieri here on the Fetch Shock podcast. No, that aspect of magic specifically is deck building. So this is the Fetch and Shock deck building episode. If you've never built a deck before, this would be one to listen to. Actually, probably not. Probably, probably not. But if, you, if you've ever <laughs> wanted to listen to people who are bad at this talk about it, yeah. you've come to the right place. Hell yeah, you have. Yeah, but that's kind of where I want to turn to... This the brewer conversation. Oh, okay, deal. Because whether That's you want to call it brewing or deck building or whatever you want, because I like. For, okay, first question: Do you think that there's a difference between brewing and deck building? Um, I feel like brewing is just the original idea, and then like your process, like starting off, and deck building is when you actually like sit down and run the numbers. Yeah. Okay. To, I have get your the... cards together because like I'll get an idea for a deck and think of a couple cards that I'd want to use for it but that's not deck building to me that's just brewing and i think i yeah, i 100 agree with that i think i have the same sentiment where i have brewed so many decks in my time but the ones that i actually sit down and build like those are few and far between oh 100 i brewed 100 popper commander decks i've made like a dozen okay so with that when does uh, an idea that you brewed up move into like that deck building phase of it Honestly, I just need the right spark of motivation to get really started on something. Like, and it usually boils down to like thoroughly enjoying one specific card over one specific idea. And I, I feel the same way where if I am brewing with something, it's usually a specific card that makes me want to brew. Right. And if Which is in, easy enough in Commander. Yeah. And if, but if in that idea, uh, like that brewing process, I find something that I'm like, oh, this actually could work. That's what I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be like, okay, let's hash this shit out. Let's let's try this out. Yeah, 100%. And honestly, when you sit down to deck build, 
your brew changes shape so often, at least in my case, it does. I could start with one plan and end up three decks down. Like I cannot count on two hands how many times that you've told me about like a deck idea and then be like, well, it started with this. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> is that still in the deck? And you're like, absolutely not. It was like one of the first things that I cut out of it. It, it literally happened today. That happened yeah, today. today. It happened. <laughs> and that was like the 40th time, maybe 45th time uh, that's yeah. happened. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so what makes you... Like, what makes you want to start brewing or start deck building? Uh, just an idea. Like, I pretty much already set in the, the general formats that we play. And so it's, with it being a little more focused, it's easy to just kind of find the things. And then, honestly, I'll have, have one idea that I thoroughly enjoy. And I'll be looking for so many cards in so many places off of that idea that I'll just find five more things that I want to brew off of in that process. Like, like, I won't even use them for the original deck, but they'll just go some off, far off corner of my mind where I'm like, I definitely want to brew with that card. Might not be played sure. here, but I could build around that. And I think that's that's kind of an important thing that I was thinking. It seems like brewing comes from two different areas, at least in my brain. It's either there is a format that I have in mind that I want to brew in, or there is a specific like card or strategy that I want to brew. And then I will force that into a format for sure. Cause a perfect example of that was when I believe it was shadows over Innistrad was first spoiled and they started just throwing me all of the fucking bones with all the spirits that they were printing. Like they gave me rattle chains. They gave me mausoleum wanderer. They gave me spell queller. They gave me selfless spirit. And I'm like, well, wizards, if you're going to do this, I'm going to do. It. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. So they gave me all these cards and I immediately built a standard deck with it and then built very shortly after a modern deck with it. And that modern deck became my modern deck for probably the next probably four to six months. And that was even before like spirits became like the thing or at least a thing. Your thing. They were my thing. thing. Listen, I was I had spirits before they were cool. If we're going to be 100% honest here. That's fair. You've always liked the... uh... Fuck, Lingering Souls. Lingering Souls does slap. That card is so... Lingering Souls is one of the top reasons why I wanted to build that deck. Because I'm like, okay, now they're building more spirits. Can I make Lingering Souls a thing? Uh, yeah, I definitely fucking can. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't even need a really compelling reason to make Lingering Souls a thing. I'm going to try it. Uh, that definitely happens looking at new sets. And then just like obviously seeing these like... Um, what are the master sets? I guess they're called. Um, seeing those sets come out too. Just let you look at so many new cards. And it's just cool to follow the spoilers along and see the new shit. Yeah, and even if they're not new cards per se, like with like with the master set, like double masters right. pretty much just came out. None of those cards are new, but at least for like popper's sake, some cards there's, got downshifted. There's some of the best sets, honestly, because the power yeah. level is so high, it pushes uncommons down a lot, which gives me more options in popper, which is cool. And, and sometimes it pushes rares to uncommons, giving me more popper commander options. Uh-huh. And then it just shows me different commons in general, because honestly, at least 50% of the commons have decent power level that are printed in these masters. Oh, yeah. So, like, if I don't know about a common, a lot of the times they pop up there and I can find out about it. Yeah, because you're obviously not... I mean, nobody out there is an encyclopedia of magic cards, especially not commons. <laughs> <laughs> so just those cards coming out and being like, oh fuck i forgot that existed let's get busy exactly yes that is a definitely a huge thing another part of the 
how I kind of separated it into either a card idea or a format idea. That's a perfect scenario right now where Pioneer, with the loss of Inverter, with the loss of uh, Heliod combo, with the loss of Breach, that format is wide open to try something that you just couldn't do before. Or not that I'm like privy to the shit, but uh, just rehashing something that wasn't working before. Maybe there's new cards that came out in the meantime that you, in the meantime that you've given up on the deck, maybe it makes the deck better. Well, yeah, perfect, perfect example of that. Not to continue going back to spirits because that's all I'm going to do. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> spirits and Pioneer is a deck that you can build, but with those three decks existing, Spirits just wasn't good enough. So now those cards are gone. There's a chance that a Spirits deck might emerge. And in between the time that those decks took power and now, there were some decent Spirits printed in Corset 2021. I don't know if I paid attention to any Spirits or paid attention to any good cards being Spirits. I'm always got my my finger <laughs> on the pulse of Spirit cards being printed, dude. Hell, I was even excited when the Jumpstart had Rattle Chains in it. I'm like, hey, that's my boy. Hey, I'm excited about Jumpstart still. Man. Oh, Jumpstart is so... We segwaying into Jumpstart? You talked about Spirits. Oh, we did talk about Spirits and Jumpstart. Well, that could be like our first little exercise in brewing. All right. Because I know... there. I mean, there's a million different ways to brew, right? There's a million different ways to kind of build things. But this is something that just came out that isn't necessarily deck building per se, but I think it's at very least a good mental exercise. A hundred percent. Or like that type of thing. Something that you and I have been doing. Um, and also a couple members of our Discord have been doing. Uh, so if you're interested in joining that conversation, jump over to the Fetch and Shock Discord. Link is in the description of this episode. And also you can find it on the Fetch and Shock Twitter. That's at Fetch underscore Shock on Twitter. So join that conversation. But uh, me and Matt in a past episode talked about themes that we kind of wanted to <laughs> see at Jumpstart when it was getting rolled out. But we've taken it a step further and actually built packs. A hundred percent. And it's honestly been like the most fun I've had brewing in a long time. Just because you can keep it so flavorful, but also it has to work alongside other things. Yeah, that's the catch 22 because you have to build it in a way that if you get thrown something that has nothing to do with it, it still makes a functional deck. A hundred percent, which honestly leads me to like the first pack that I built. Um, Bear Tribal. It uses a Eula Queen of the Bears, or Queen Among Bears, rather. Um, and honestly, originally I had a Eula's Influence in the deck, which is three green. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is going alongside a deck that's probably not going to be green. So having three green might be a little bit too expensive. So I Triple green's pretty brutal. Figured Words of Wilding does a moderately similar thing to some extent. It fills the slot perfectly fine. It's a three-drop enchantment. That's just two colorless, one green instead of three green. Yeah, no, that seems great. Keeping the power level on these things is fun too, because they are all formatted very similar, I found. Most of them have eight creatures on average, four non-creatures on average, seven lands, basic lands on average, and then the one thriving land exclusive to these Jumpstart packs. Which, which are, are pretty cool sick. little lands. Those lands are so good. Big fan. Um, definitely in a three-plus color commander deck. I definitely see those being played. And then there are one to two rares, mythics, four uncommons always, and then 14 to 15 commons, depending on if there's the extra rare myth. So I always kept those things in mind when building these things, try to keep them on average, and then I kept the rarities, at least the uncommons on point. Yeah, I mean, because I think our initial idea when starting this was that how cool would it be to have like a jumpstart cube 
Right, a custom jumpstart cube, like of just yeah. flavor it's, that you've put together. Exactly, where you get like a bunch. You obviously just do a bunch of jumpstart packs, but then throw in a bunch of of your own packs, and right. then just have yeah. them in those like little cube packs that you can buy from any game store online. Cube of jig. Yeah, yeah, anything. That's the oh, one that Tularia Community College yeah. talks Hell about. Yeah. That uh, they're pretty cool. They got a lot of art on them, but there's also templates online to just print out on paper or cardstock. Oh. And then you just fold the shit, which is what I've been doing for my Jumpstart packs. That's so sick. Nice. Then he keeps it super fucking cheap, and then you just write what packs on it. Yeah, and then you just just draw them randomly with a, a couple buddies, yeah. and then shuffle them together, and then you just have this really neat replayable thing that 100%. isn't going to cost you like 12 to 20 bucks per person. I did so make one other pack. Oh, you did? Yeah, I was going to say, I knew you made at least one more. I did. This one is called Slippery When Wet. And there is definitely like an underwater-themed um, jumpstart pack, which is all right. This one's just merfolk tribal and like dealing some combat damage. And then um, like if you've seen the jumpstart pack, sometimes they come with different rares per. So this uh -huh. one has like two different options even. You can either go merfolk sovereign and seafloor oracle or kapala and true name nemesis. Oh, Two little different directions. I didn't change anything else in the deck, but there's like Mira Rajiri taking up an uncommon slot. Um, Open into Wonder seemed like a fun card that I'd never even seen before, I don't think. So it was like alongside the Curious Obsession and Curiosity kind of. It deals combat damage, draw a card. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. I have a ton of more, ton of more ideas. And those two ideas obviously could be like put into 60 card decks. But if you have a tribe that's like maybe a little smaller, like, at least the key cards in it are a little smaller. Really the place to put that tribe together. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> I think it was it was when me and Matt and also Corey were talking about it. The one idea that I came up with that I have not built a pack around yet, but I certainly will, Changeling. Like, that just Ooh. seems like it fits so well into Jumpstart. I want to build a pack around that so we can do this cube. I love that. That's an awesome idea. Hell yeah. Well, the, and the one that I actually did build was one that I said was a theme that I thoroughly enjoy, which is like the prison, like mono white theme. Tell me about it. What all did you put in it? Uh, so some of the, I just wanted to keep it like loosely prison themed with like council's judgment is one of the rares because that card's insane. But I assumed that you could probably also do like one with like mentor of the meek. Oh, right on. Because some of the commons are just like just cheap shitty creatures. Like uh, Thraben Inspector is just one of the commons because that card is just so nuts. I like how you say shitty and then you go into Thraben Inspector. Uh, okay, that's fair because Thraben Inspector <laughs> is like one of the greatest white commons of all time. You're right. Yep. <laughs> um, and then like some of the other spells are like the white removal spells that kind of like imprison a creature like pacifism and things like, in like Oblivion Ring and stuff like that. Gotcha. To kind of keep with that prison theme. The journey uh, to nowheres and yep, base exactly. setters, etc. Uh, Precinct Captain, another rare. Precinct Captain is sweet. Try to also go with like the mono white thing and incentivize you to attack with creatures, which is nice. Yeah, I got you. That's not that's different from a prison deck most of the time, I think. See, it's not it's not necessarily the theme of a prison deck, but like the prison theme, like actual jail, because like Council's Judgment and Precinct Captain. And like, now we're spreading the same door. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Okay. That, now we're uh, the, the same itch is being scratched. Like you're you were on my flavor level for a second, and Absolutely. I just wasn't even 
I wasn't even processing. No, buddy, we're going beyond the game here. In oh. three, but Inspector, when you do something bad, an inspector looks into it, and that's why you go to jail to oh. see the precinct captain. But before you go to jail, there has to be a council of judgment to send you to jail to see the precinct captain. <laughs> and like while you're in jail, there's going to be a palace jailer there making sure that you're not being an asshole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm assuming like you're going to be pretty pacified in jail, so there's pacifism in the deck. God damn. Oh, yeah. There's this. I'm salivating. I put some, I put so some, much some fucking effort into that one, bud. The most thought I put into either of these was there's a teddy bear and grapple with the past. And I was like, that fits a bear theme. <laughs> well, sometimes the flavor can just be art, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, so that counts. I'm totally giving that to you. Teddy bears are also super cute, even if they're being strangled by tentacles or some shit being thrown down a well. <laughs> Classic Eldrazi throwing teddy bears down the well. Classic. Eldrazi may be worse than Charles Manson. Eldrazi mm. get no shout out this episode. Zero. Nope. I get down with that. <laughs> so fuck you, Aldrazi. <laughs> so to move on from kind of the those packs that we bring, I have another question about deck building. Which is what do you think is like the first step in the actual deck building process? So you have an idea. How do you start? Um, this is a great segue, actually, into prefacing this with my restrictions, because that's the next step. To be honest oh, with yep. you, I, I have the idea. Now I need to limit myself or it will take me a very long time to be satisfied with the deck, which is one of the reasons this came up originally, like my restrictions. And then um, don't know if any of you are privy to the game old school RuneScape, but people play it sometimes with like snowflake accounts, quote unquote, where they restrict their account in some way, shape or form. So they play it very uniquely, which is kind of the take that I do on most decks. Like I'll just play them creaturelessly and take it even further than that. We're playing only creatures and take it further than that. I mean, and... that's also kind of the take that you take on most formats that you play. Like you like right. popper, which is restricted to only commons. And I'll restrict it even further than that just for fun. Yeah. And then you and I like in our play group and hopefully you out there after listening to this, we play wood nickel, which Hell is yeah. just commander, but restricted to cards on magic online under five cents. Like that's just a further restriction for you. It feels like that is more of a, a boon than anything else. Like, that just seems like it's good for you. Oh, 100%. And then that's a great way to start talking about wood nickel decks that we may have built recently. Did you build oh, a deck that's recently a, in the format? That's a big 10-4 on <laughs> the fact that we built some wood nickel decks, bud. We built a deck around C.W. McCall, musician that's behind the classic Convoy. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, that's not who we build a deck around. We build a deck around Lord of Tressorhorn, whose okay. power happens to be 10-4. And that's all I and Tyler needed to hear. And there's some more in-depth parts of deck building, at least the process that we can talk about as we talk about these decks. Oh, 100%. Because these are a good conduit for that. But yeah, you and I were kind of sitting down discussing what we wanted to do with this episode. And I came up with the idea that we both decide on one specific commander and then we both go off completely blind from each other and build that commander deck with our within our wood nickel format so just a hundred card commander normal commander rolls with the same bands and stuff but every card has to be under five cents on magic online the first time i saw your deck was a couple hours ago when we just <laughs> jumped in and played 
Oh yeah, I built it start and finish this. And we could not have come up with two different decks. Not even kind of. And I knew it turn two when he played Goblin Bombardment that we did not <laughs> even kind of have the same fucking deck. Well, let's start this off. I'm going to go ahead and read our lovely Lord and Savior, Lord of the <laughs> Tressorhorn. Perfect. So Lord of Tressorhorn is one, a blue, a black, and a red. He is a big 10-4, good buddy. <laughs> For, is he a soldier? Uh, he's a zombie. He's a straight zombie. Okay, so he's not just he's not a zombie soldier. He's just a zombie. Correct. But again, he is a big ten power for toughness. That's Accurate. a big ten four. That's big ten four rubber ducky. And when he enters the battlefield, uh, some shit goes down. Lots. You pay two life. You have to sacrifice two creatures, and target opponent draws two cards. That's a lot. He can also be regenerated for a black, but who cares? Can I take one moment? Fans listening, or not fans listening for some fucking reason, um, what would you do with this deck? Oh, I do want to hear that. Yeah, so go on to the Fetch and Jock Twitter, and I, I'm going to post a picture of Lord Tressorhorn. Go to the, just comment on that post of Lord Tressorhorn, and tell us, what would you do with this idiot? Because <laughs> uh, I'm interested in that. There's a couple different ways that I initially thought about going at this. And this is this is segues perfect into the question that I was asking of what is the first step? We have this idea of building this Lord Tressorhorn deck for Commander. The first step was kind of figuring out what direction we wanted to go because there was a million different directions. You could do, because he's a zombie, you could do like a zombie tribal theme with him. Which we did limit ourselves to because we didn't want to end up with like zombie lords and just a ton of the same zombies. Which I don't think I would have done, but I think it's smart that we did that just in case. Right, 100%. Yeah, you could have done the zombie travel thing. You could do a heavy token thing and just try to get him out as early as you can. Uh, you can do like a Voltron thing where you get him out, suit him up, and then just kill them with commander damage. Oh, 100%. Or you could do one of the two things that you and I did. Right, which was not, <laughs> not those things. Not those things at all. Rupert Yours definitely makes some good sense. Oh, I think the difference between our two decks is uh, mine is very much more on the I want to just kill my opponent as fast as I possibly can. And yours is much more all in on flavor and built towards making the game last a little bit. Yeah, I got a one way ticket to Flavor Town, bud. Fucking no. No, Flavor Town's it's yeah, that's the amateur hour. We're going to the entire country of flavor. Oh, we're going worldwide on this flavor, boys. That's right. <laughs> Step aside, Guy Fieri. Lord <laughs> Tressorhorn is here. Well, actually, that's kind of funny because I I would imagine taking a car across to an entire country that's a pretty daunting task. But yeah. if there's maybe some other type of transportation, maybe some other vehicle that you oh, could I take, couldn't imagine what you're getting to. Yeah, um, I had no idea that I was going to end up with a vehicles deck. And calling Lord Tressorhorn a truck driver, but I did. <laughs> uh, originally, I was reading this card, and the big thing that stood out to me was opponent draws two cards. I was like, well, don't like that. So the first card I had to the deck was Curse Rack. Probably first card that I removed from the deck after ending up with like 202 cards in a tapped out folder. Uh, it was like the first card that I removed. Love that. So I went through a few iterations. I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do with this deck. And then vehicles came. Like, at what point did you think, okay, Lord Tressorhorn, vehicles, Big Ten Four, 
were riding that convoy. Well, we had already been riding the convoy a little bit last night. And when I saw vehicles today, it made so much sense. So first restriction <laughs> was no creatures. I was like, this is a convoy. We just need we just need to get some vehicles out there. We can crew them through tokens. So I'll just play non-creature. This is the only creature in the deck is Lord Tresserhorn. I got 20 vehicles in the format. There are 23 vehicles. Um, <laughs> and then I have like maybe 25 to 30 token producing things. And so I'm just trying to crew up and get in there with some vehicles. Choo-choo, Lord Tresserhorn. Just given a big 10-4. He's basically on dispatch. I don't care to play him. <laughs> My, can we just go back to the part where you said yeah, the vehicles just made sense? Because I don't think it makes sense to anybody else besides you. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part about that is I didn't think fucking twice saying that. It made all the sense in the world no, to me. You're just like, yeah. I mean, this is obvious, idiots. Why can't you just see this? He's a 10-4 he's a zombie. Yeah. Yeah, let's put him in a truck. So, yeah, uh, me and my 20 vehicles crash the gate. We do 98, and we say, let them truckers roll. Convoy. <laughs> yeah. Another shout-out to C.W. McCall. We thought it was Charlie Mason. It's C.W. McCall this episode. C.W. McCall is actually the shout-out. A hundred percent. What are the chances that people understand the C.W. call? convoy reference to be fair we're from pennsylvania a decent portion of our listeners come from pennsylvania being friends and spawns of friends and there's a lot of hillbillies in the area that we come from in pennsylvania and their dads probably have referenced or watched convoy in their life or their grandfather's uncles some shit yeah so if you haven't heard convoy the song uh it's gonna be or watch the movie at least listen to the, the song if you're intrigued watch the whole movie if you don't care at all that makes a lot of sense. It's really not that great. No, you're not. It's not, it's like a b- mediocre at very, very best. Mediocre movie, above average meme. Oh yeah, no, you did it for the memes. So your deck is 20 vehicles. How bad do the uh, the three leftover hoopties have to be to not make the deck? One was a straight vanilla. One said the word pirate, which immediately wrote it off in my um, You gotta stick to flavor. Oh, yeah. I will do that to car because I'll have trouble making cuts. So if I see something that's off flavor, that's a really good justification for me to look at that. Cut it, never look back. And that's um, one thing that you do that I don't always do. Uh, you will cut a card just on principle, even if it's a good card. Oh, 100%. I did it 102 times today making this deck. And you will keep a card if it's not maybe ideal. Again, just off principle. Perfect example. It was really hard for me to pull tribal unity out of the bear jumpstart pack that i used over overrun knowing full well overrun is a strictly better card and this concept will come up a little bit later in the podcast when we talk sure. about popper uh-huh that sounds about right because i will 100 percent use flavor over value even if i can decide which card's better yeah even so- if it's a detriment to you uh-huh. you're still going to want to do the flavorful thing because that is that's not just a deck building choice that's when you're playing the deck when you play that card that you know is maybe a little worse than another card that could go in but is more flavorful that makes the deck more memorable and more personal to you and i think it makes it a better play experience for the people playing against it too i think that's something that people who play commander don't always necessarily take into consideration, which is totally fine. But right. when I'm making deck building decisions, I am not just thinking of my myself, but I'm thinking of like the play experience. And if 
a card is going to bring up, make it like a funny moment in the game. That card's going to make the deck over top of something that is probably more powerful. Thousand percent. There's that quote about enjoying the journey, not the destination. That's kind of my approach to magic. Yeah, it's 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 all about getting there. It's not all about being there. Right. Because like we played with that guy today, which I had a ton of fun with. I don't remember his name on Moto, but he was a blast. He goofed a gaff right alongside with us. If he walks away from this being like that guy had a truck driver themed Magic the Gathering deck, I won. My deck succeeded. Yeah, regardless of who actually won the game, you <laughs> won the game. Correct. Which um, was Tyler, but I did win the game. But that was for uh, that was also for the meme. True. If we're gonna and the guy suicided to dragons, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and that, actually, that's a good transition into the way that I took the deck. Um, turns out I did not make Lord Tressorhorn a truck driver. <laughs> Weird. I kept him a zombie. And I really wanted to utilize that sacrifice two creatures ability. Cause you think probably a downside, but you can definitely, definitely make that a plus. And this deck is all about that, like aristocrats style deck. And the first card that I put in the deck outside of obviously Lord Tressorhorn was Falcon Wrath Aristocrat. And that is like the reason why I wanted to build the deck is to put this card in it. Cause I played this card in standard back when it was legal and standard. And I remember having a blast with it. So I'm like, oh, how can I bring this, that feeling back into playing Magic? And that card just says, uh, you can sacrifice a creature and Falcon Wrath Aristocrat gains indestructible. And if it's a human, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. My initial idea was to make a like mono human sacrifice deck. That is much harder than it appears, especially with the budget that we are working with. So I just went to a just generic sacrifice get value uh with like the my, some of my win conditions are like blood artist uh all obviously like zulaport cutthroat um bastion of remembrance which is very similar to zulaport cutthroat cards like that i also just have a million different cards that get value from sacrificing like harvester of souls uh sir conrad that card's pretty good yeah that card's really good and i have just a million different ways to just accrue value from sacrificing like murder of crows draws me a card. If a creature dies, a couple other creatures like uh Jeskai sage and uh palace familiar. When they die, they draw me a card. Uh, this deck, I accidentally just built a combo deck, <laughs> which just I would stumbled love to into say, one. Yeah. Oopsies combo. <laughs> I would love to say that this is the first time that that's ever happened. It's not. Should it's happen. what happens all the time because I was, testing this deck out in the commander rooms on magic online and at one point i had a pawn of ulamog that when something dies i get a 01 eldrazi spawn i had a pitiless plunderer that when something dies i get a uh treasure token which sacrifices to add a mana of any color i had a sacrifice outlet i that can be kind of ambiguous i think it might have been viscerous here I'm not entirely sure. And then I had Reassembling Skeleton, which there's a couple other cards in the deck that do a similar thing. But Reassembling Skeleton says that for one in the black, you can return it from your graveyard to the battlefield. So I sacrifice it. I deal damage with something like Blood Artist or something. And then the mana that it generates when it dies from uh, Pitiless Plunderer and the Pawn of Ulamog just allow me to cast it again. And you repeat it until everybody is dead. Not bad. Yeah, and there's a couple of different ways to put it together. Like, you can switch out the Pawn of Ulamog for a, I believe it's Stifler of Skulls, which does essentially the same thing, except for makes 1-1 one, one Eldrazi spawns. Uh, 
and there's also a couple other different creatures that you can kind of go infinite with. But yeah, accidentally built a uh, infinite combo deck in our uh, format. Is that the first one? No. Oh, you already stumbled across a couple. Um. Well, <laughs> when I built the Niv-Mizzet deck, if you have both Niv-Mizzets on the battlefield, that's an infinite combo. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Oops. Forgot about that. Oopsie. Uh, I took the Niv-Mizzet out of that, though. I don't know if I can take the infinite combo out of Lord Tressorhorn because it is like a five card combo. Yeah, that's not really a broken combo in my opinion. No, it's very easy to disrupt too if you have a removal spell. And it's not like you're tutoring very often, not only in this format, but you specifically in Commander. So oh, even no, if it's I... like a two to three card combo, I'm not that worried about it. No, I'm very against tutors in Commander for a couple different reasons, mostly because I don't like commander being homogenous and the games being the same over and over again right and tutors do that uh it's a singleton format the decks are supposed to function differently almost every time you play it so yeah i won't even add transmute cards to my decks anymore because you have me so hard on this fucking train oh hell yeah we got a convert baby to the i'm like i can tutor with this card nope <laughs> i am going to be the lord savior preacher all of that for the church of no soul ring for the church of no cyclonic rift for the church of no tutors. That's... I'm not a hundred percent behind you on soul ring, but I'm very much so getting there when I play it against it rather alongside it in mana crypt, like the first fucking turn. I'm like, yeah, I'm over this game. Fuck cards that make commander less fun. And I think those cards make commander less fun for very little benefit. to the. But that's my uh, tangent on that. My, that's a, I'm, we're going to segue off of that into another question I have for you, Rupert. Can't wait. What do you think? And this is a good question for you because of how your crooked ass brain works. Hey, <laughs> that's fucking subjective, but okay. <laughs> I think that's an objective opinion, but I think my brain functions. Except for it, when func it functions, period. In the concept, in the in the context of deck building, <laughs> what do you think <laughs> is the most difficult part? Um. All right. Now I usually end up if I'm making a commander deck, I would sit here instead of making a card amount. I would say cutting. The second 25%, maybe the third quarter of card cutting that I do, because I'll go through process. First one's pretty easy. Second one and the third one, making those, like, the middle cuts, those are the hardest ones. The end ones are really easy because I know what flavor I have in mind. I know what goal I have. Um, so I can usually cut the last 25% of cards fairly easy. But just that middle amount of cards that I have to cut, that meat, that's the hard shit for me. Adding cards to it's easy. Oh my god, adding cards. I can't even tell you how many times that we've been talking about like you building a deck and then you just text me like an hour later after starting <laughs> the deck building process and be like, oh, I have 300 cards. Yeah, I have 400 cards. Please hop on Discord and help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's happened a good handful of times. <laughs> it usually happens with like what cards are actually good. Aside from like, like, oh, obviously pick my flavor and all that out. But I'm like, I don't know what card's better here or like how many slots that I want to fill in this particular deck. Sometimes. Um, today, I only ended up with 202. I'm <laughs> pretty impressive, honestly, for you. That's extremely impressive. I was like, damn, that's like half normal. And then I made those cuts fairly quickly. But yeah, like usual, it was the middle cuts that were the hardest ones to make. And I think that's the most difficult part for a lot of people, especially building in like the commander context. Right. Is making those mine is making those last like five cuts if i have 125 cards that i am considering those first 20 cards 
are much easier than those last five cards. I definitely can't agree with that. I don't know. It's easy for me to pull the trigger at the end. See, and I would say if I'm down to 105 cards, the first four cards are much easier than that very last card. <laughs> Fair enough. Because I'm like, oh, this is like a toss up between like a very good card and another very good card. And a lot of the times I will just cut a card that I'm like, I think is very good. And then I'll test the deck and then I'll find that something else in the deck just isn't working properly. So then I'll throw that card in and then get out the thing that is working not as I expected. And that'll happen probably another ah, probably five or six times until I'm at the point where I'm happy with where the deck is at, which I think is a good transition into when do you know that it's done like you're done with the deck? You half-assedly prepped me with this question before the podcast, and in my head, I laughed out loud. <laughs> because I literally have a note written down at the end of one of my deck-building spiels on paper. It's like, doubt and digress, I have deemed it. Because I'm never satisfied with being finished with a deck, and I will completely second-guess it when I'm done with it, before I play it, while I'm playing it, after I play it. I'm never done with a deck. I'm always thinking about making improvements and making changes to them. Even if I don't, I'm probably thinking about it. I see, and... It's getting a little easier for me to pull the trigger on things and be okay enough with it. But I just go back and forth on a lot of cards through the process where sure. second-guessing happens. Obviously, it's a personality type, too, but definitely happens a lot here because I get hyper-focused. Well, and I, don't, okay. I, don't think, I don't think you're the only person that does that either. Right. Like, I don't think you're the only person that always feels like there's something more that can be done. Me, on the other hand, when I make that last cut and I do that, like, testing process where I play, like, somewhere in between, like, five and ten games and make a couple swaps. Once I play the deck, like, probably three times in a row and I feel like it's went well, my deck has run good, like, sans any mana issues or anything like that. That's what I'm like. OK, wash my hands of this. Let's move on to the next one. And I just let it sit. And then if I pick up a deck maybe like a month later and play it and something feels off, maybe I'll address it. Maybe I just chalk it up to it being an awkward scenario where that didn't work. But after I make a couple changes and play the deck and it feels good, it takes a lot, either like a new card to be printed or a card to be absolutely abysmal for me to ever change it. Fair enough. Village Rights was a good card that came out recently that made me rethink a couple slots in old decks, even. Village Rights is just great fucking common. Well, a perfect example of that is uh, my Krufix God of the Horizon deck for Commander. Now, that is not Wood Nickel. That is just a full-out Commander deck. Oh, uh, word. And I have worked on that deck for... I've had that deck for probably over five years. At the, and I have it, like, min-max, to I, I know exactly how it's going to play... I know it's going to be fun. I know it's going to be interactive. I know people at the table are going to have fun. It's going to be a unique experience for people if they haven't played against it before. And it takes a lot for a card to be printed for me to put it in there. The last card that was printed for that deck that I was just, I saw and I was like, okay, it needs to go in there was the, it's a Hydra from Return to Return to Ravnica. The blue green X Hydra that you draw half of X and gain life half of X, wherever X is the amount that you pay on. Yeah, seems Hydroid Crisis. Hydroid Crisis, that's the card. Oh, right on. Like, that card was printed, and I probably spent, I am embarrassed to say, but probably spent like two hours, like, looking at the deck, 
to see what I needed to cut to put that in there because I had already spent so much time like with that deck trying to make it as, as fun and good as I could. No, that definitely just goes to show how much you like actually cared about this deck, like your pet deck, I guess. Yeah, that is, I would say that that is like- I guess a, pet commander deck. Yeah. I feel uh, there's a lot of people out there who have just a ton of commander decks and none of them are particularly like their deck. They just have right. a collection of decks. I am much more of the the ilk that I have that that one commander deck that I want to be perfect, and I have like four or five other commander decks that uh, like I'll juggle cards in and out of, and I'll play whenever I am feeling it. But by no means are those ones that I meticulously like look for new cards or get excited about. I have that one deck that I am so into. I hear you. And don't get me wrong from before. I won't like actively search out necessarily like making these decks better after I build them. But like I will second guess it for a while. It's just that constant nagging of like what could be different. Right. I guess I can be satisfied to a point. Sure. Um, Like we brought it up last week when I got to use uh, Ugin's Conjurant in my Celestial Kieran deck and it destroyed all lands yeah um, big fan big big fan i Absolutely. felt very satisfied with that deck but more so just that interaction but i definitely saw the interaction while deck building and so i definitely get satisfaction more so from certain interactions that i pick up on while deck building than i do so in overall deck thinking of sure yeah when a plan comes to fruition that feels right and it's not Absolutely. even necessarily like a crazy combo I have a small little thing that I could do in Tressor Horn, where, like, obviously I'm making some tokens to crew up my vehicles. Um, Descent of Dragons, I think it is. Uh, destroy any number of creatures, and then that creature's controller gets a 4-4 Dragon Flyer. Like, using that, get a bunch of tokens, using that, and then Crux of Fading. Like, if I get to do that <laughs> even half of the time, I'll be really pumped. Yeah, if you just get to do that once, you're just, your life is just going to be so much better yeah. that day. Yeah. I can keep on trucking after that. <laughs> That's a big 10-4 goodbye. Agreed. Because <laughs> this conversation was kind of hyper-focused on Commander. We can touch on other formats after this. But before we move off that, I do want to give us an opportunity to kind of share some of the resources or what we use when we're in that deck building process. Oh, I like that, definitely. I know you use Goldfish, right, for your actual deck Building. For actual deck building, that is correct. <clears throat> I use MTG Goldfish just because I have used a lot of other uh, websites before. Like I, I've used Tapped Out and I don't have anything against Tapped Out. I just prefer the interface of Goldfish. Understood. And that's the Which same scenario with when they uh, released the ability to deck build on Scryfall. I was like, okay, now if I have that on Scryfall, I will never use another website ever again. Is that already and, on Scryfall? No, it is on Scryfall, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, and I tried it on Scryfall, and it just, it doesn't, I think I'm just so used to Goldfish that moving off of that is just going to be a no-go forever. I'm just stuck on Goldfish until Goldfish is dead, until the, uh, the poor Goldfish dies. Then we have to flush it down the toilet and then use Scryfall. Sometimes it's a little cumbersome, and I don't know if other websites use it, but like the live edit where you can actually see the cards and move them around and not just the text on Tapped Out is what I usually get to um after the original cuts because like doing it with like 300 cards is insane sure yeah so you use to actually physically build your deck online you use tapped out and i use goldfish correct what's then what 
Where are you searching for cards? Where are you referencing cards, formats? Yeah, so that part of the deck building process, uh, there's two main things that I usually use. One of them is Scryfall. 100%. So if I have like an idea of like a type of card that I need to use, like if it's a tribal deck, I'll search that creature type. Or if there's an ability on a card like uh, when this card dies, like it, that's in the case of Lord Treasurehorn, I would just search up... Uh, like creature dies oh, and, 100%. That'll, and that'll bring up all of the cards that have that text of when a creature dies. Yeah. I definitely use that for um, everything. Honestly, I always use that text and I'll even use the name because you can get a lot of flavor from the name too. Oh, that's oh, That's a really, really good point. When you are looking for something that has the hyper high amount of flavor, <laughs> like maybe that kind of yeah. person, not in a gameplay context, but in just like an outside of the game context. Right. Like if you're looking to build like a tree folk themed deck and you just want something with oak in the name. Which like, came up just, last night. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> just we, search we wanted oak. to keep it a little bit flavorful. A little we saw Aiden Oak and Shield. We're like, oak, wood nickel is what we call our fucking format. We might as well yeah, use that this guy. <laughs> it was honestly up to him or Lord Tressorhorn. So when we do this again, we know what our commander is going to be. Oh, 100%. And it's <laughs> nice to be able to set the price to tickets on Modo. So you could just put less than or equal to five ticks, and yep. there's oh, your options for you Yeah. Format legal commander, do your commander colors, which I recommend doing commander colors over just strict colors a lot of the time, even for normal deck building. Because you won't come up with like a hybrid that. Right, which you don't do using the strict colors. Correct. I found out. It took me some time, but I figured it out. I mean, yeah, and the Scryfall Advanced Search is such a good tool when you're looking for unique cards for deck building right another another tool that i use uh throughout the entire process at least as far as uh commander goes is eda track percent again absolutely eda track is invaluable when doing stuff like this because you can search the commander and then see what other people are doing with that commander you can search i know at least for lord tressorhorn there wasn't a ton of lord tressorhorn decks on there but I got to look at aristocrats like sacrifice style decks and then see cards that are highly synergistic to that and get to pull from that in that deck building process. See, this is half embarrassing, but I never even thought to utilize EDH rec in that way and just looking at a type of deck alongside. Oh, like a theme of deck? Oh, I do that. Right. Yeah, I that's do that almost first before I look at the specific decks. That's probably not even brilliant. That's probably just like a average intelligence. I just am below it right now. But yeah, that's really that's a really solid idea. I no, I got galaxy bro. And <laughs> th that is your takeaway. Viewers, this is your takeaway from this episode. I just gave you the information. Listen, there's gonna be an explosion in Commander because people just heard that and they're just like, What the fuck? I can do that? And then game over you. Five, so one episode at a time. Fetch and shock. <laughs> Um, aside from EDH rec, do you use anything? Um, on occasion, if there is some like really obscure thing that I'm looking for, just outright Googling shit, yep. I will 1000% do. My Google searches will very often turn into Reddit posts, like not me posting, but just looking at Reddit posts off of Google that like are talking about what I'm looking into. Sure. But yeah, I will very often use Google specifically for removal index. Like when I'm just trying to generalize, it's really hard to 
go into Scryfall and search destroy, search exile, search remove it from play, search yeah. tap it. You're so going to come up with hundreds of cards. Right. And so it's a lot easier just to see what people think are the better removal spells in that format and uh, go from there. And a lot of the time, I will also use, like if I see a card off of that, um, or see a card anywhere, I will use MTG Assist 2, which isn't the highest quality. Like, it doesn't give you definitely all the cards, but like, I'll put in, this is a good segue. You ready? We moving on? Oh yeah, give it to me, Dad. Great fucking segue. Alright, I used it last night building a popper deck. It's janky as fuck, and... It's based off of Squadron Hawk's ability, basically. Um, which, if you don't know, Squadron Hawk is a 1-2 flying. 1-1. One, one. And when it enters the battlefield, you can search your library for up to three cards with the name Squadron Hawk and put them in your hand. Oh, you mean Ancestral Recall. Yeah, 100%. But it's better than Ancestral Recall because it gives you a creature. Yeah, you're the only always downside flying costs one more, creatures. so they're basically the same. No, they're no. Ancestral Recall is significantly worse than squadron hawk okay i didn't want to <laughs> i didn't want to hurt recall films but i believe that's no, it. That was definitely squad hawk baby um, squad squad <laughs> so instead of just using the like searching somehow for that amount of words in scryfall i put it into mtg assist and it'll show me like-minded cards but it definitely does not show me all the like-minded cards. Because, like, Squadron Hawk might have only showed me the white creatures that do this, like Battalion Foot Soldier and Legion Conquistador, but it was omitting Howling Wolf and Scratch Out Sentinel, things like that. Huh, but see, it's definitely I, still a really, really good resource. I've never heard MTG Assist, so, like, that's a that's a cool resource that seems really useful. Yeah, maybe if you put in, um, like, for example, you could put in Faith Fluting. It's going to show you Thrill of Possibility. And other cards along that realm. If you put in Counterspell, it might show you, like, Negates, etc. Yeah, sure. It'll Essence just show you or things of that ilk. Right. Maybe, and I don't know exactly how its formula works, but it seems to show you like-colored and like-costed spells. Okay. No, that seems very useful. But even if I can, if I know Squadron Hawk exists and a green creature of the like exists, then I'll just search both of them and just kind of keep going from there. It's a really good tool. Definitely recommend it. That seems good to be like you search for a thing and then you just go down the rabbit hole. It's a yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's I, I dig that. So that was honestly the first thing I did with making this value deck. I just wanted to end up filling my hand up in popper over and over again and then just having a bunch of value on board. I have like four, I think, of each of those. Um we got four Squadron Hawks, four Sky Shrouds, four... I think I took out one of those, maybe. Oh, I definitely took out the Howling Wolves, because they are just strictly worse than other things in the deck. Sure. The double green hurts. Um, it might not be too crazy to get there by turn four, obviously, but the double green's not fun. And it's just four mana for a 2-2, two -two, and I can spend three for two threes. The only thing that doesn't strictly do that ability is Land of War Sentinel. But when it comes into play, I can pay one and a green, and I can search my car library for another Land of War Sentinel and just put it right into play. Land of War Sentinel is a hell of a card. Yeah, very cool card. Um, and then I also threw in Aberral Grazers and a Ooh. couple Elvish Pioneers. I like that. To really, really get this fucker going. Because I'm not dropping anything until at least turn two anyway. And to have, have this fucking gasoline on board right off the bat. Yeah, it's just a really, really good, good accelerant. 100%. The, I got 
couple O-rings in here because I didn't know what to do. A couple savage swipes because um, I could use a Rancor and an Abril Grazer, two power. Lots of things are running two power in the deck. Um, <clears throat> Otherworldly Journey. I just kind of liked this card as like a way to remove something before combat or yeah. to protect my own creature and make it a little bit bigger next combat. And then I mentioned it before, but here is a place where flavor came in over value. I'm pretty sure. So I used Kelp. Fuck me. Gel, Gejeldin? Gejeldin? Warcry? Oh, puts a K and a J right next to each other. Uh, Magic the Gathering does. Wizards of the Coast. Crazy. Wizards, so reads, stop doing. <laughs> reads creatures you control get plus X plus X. Done a turn was X is plus one plus the number of cards named the same thing in your graveyard. And oh. I used this over Echo and Courage, which gives target creature and all the creatures with the same name plus two plus two, which is probably the play here. But I like the thing about having the same card. That's like kind of a... seemed a little more flavorful. But it also is... works for all of my creatures, not just creatures with the same name. That's sick. What is the casting cost on that? One in a white. Gotcha. Yeah. There's a few cards, and I actually saw it in passing last night because Muscle Burst is kind of like a giant growth card. It costs one more, but then it gives an additional plus one plus one for each Muscle Burst in your graveyard. And there's actually a cr green creature. I think it's a two-drop. I do forget its name. But it counts towards Muscle Burst if it's in your graveyard. That is really neat. There's a red one that goes along a two-damage spell that counts further towards that damage. Huh. And I think, that there, I think that there might be one for each color. I might be omitting one that I couldn't find last night. But I thought that they were super neat. I've seen Muscle Burst and things like Frantic Surge, or Frantic Inventory, rather. That seems like a great not cycle. Inventory, accumulated knowledge and take inventory and not those ones. The other uh, third one. No, frantic inventory is one. Oh, okay. Word. Yeah, basically cards just along those lines, but it was mm -hmm. a creature that added to it without the same name. Loved it. That's so sick. No, that deck seems super fun. And speaking that of is... seeing things in passing and then wanting to brew off of them, this deck could have went a few ways. Like, there's definitely some cool things you can do with a like-minded idea here like-minded idea you mean like all of the creatures in the deck are the same <laughs> like yeah. that is such a good flavor win <laughs> like absolutely out of this world flavor and i know that you can like you take flavor into consideration a lot when building decks but to focus a little bit more on the the play set constructed decks like you specifically in popper but for other people uh like myself legacy vintage standard modern all of those formats do you take into consideration the meta at all when building decks i don't think you do oh man you're so right i really don't and you'll never see me make a sideboard for a popper deck because with my restrictions like i'm basically forming my own sub formats in metas with no sure. one to play against a lot of the time like yeah i'm making a wood nickel game deck but mine's creature lives Mine only has creatures, and they're only two power or less. Fuck it. I'm only using cards that begin with the letter C. Who cares? Well, and I think that that is a important thing to denote, that you are making these decks that you don't, you don't necessarily have a meta in mind, like on a larger scale, but you do have a meta in mind about what it will actually be played against. Like, you're not playing that popper deck against the grand popper scheme. You're right. playing that popper deck against me and Zach, who was on last week's episode, and right. our other friends that do play popper. Mm -hmm. 
in with your wood nickel decks, you're not thinking of commander at large. You're thinking of the more hyper, like microscopic focus of you're playing that against my wood nickel decks. You're playing that against other wood nickel decks. That is, but that that is a consideration when you. Yeah, I mean my specific meta, but not the meta overarching meta, not the competitive meta, just my personal meta or a more casual one i've started to learn what people kind of play casually more so than competitively the more sure. moto that i play yeah because um, you can just and, see other people's casual commander deck maybe right. not nickel but just commander decks casual right and a lot of the times i'm not thinking about it but it has started to pop up here and there recently i guess where i'm like worrying about certain types of things more than i would have before i started playing with people outside of our meta yeah like you are consciously thinking of okay, if I need to deal with an artifact, how in this deck can I deal with, like, artifacts? Right. Or if I it need to deal up. with somebody's graveyard, how can I deal with somebody's graveyard in the deck? Yeah, something like that. That's honestly the big one, is exiling someone's graveyard was yeah, never, absolutely. like, part of our meta. But it's becoming such a large part of, like, my deck-building process to where I'll at least include, like, one option of getting rid of someone's graveyard, if it makes sense. And yeah, it's no, absolutely. easy enough to do. Even if it's something, like, uh, in in my deck that I just built, like Rakdos Charm, that can deal with somebody's graveyard, but it also has other applications uh, of like, I can destroy an artifact, I can deal with a graveyard, I can do some other shenanigans. Like that's just a good thing to think of when you're deck building, whether it's your specific meta on a microscopic scale or the macroscopic meta at large scale. Because, I mean, I, I know we mentioned Pioneer before. If people are interested in brewing Pioneer, the meta is completely shifted right now, but when things start settling down, if you're brewing, especially for what you're putting in your main deck versus your sideboard, those are real considerations. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'll pass a card and be like, that'll be cute in a sideboard, but it doesn't mean I'm putting it in. No, absolutely. Yeah, you're 100%. But I definitely, I, I could fully get behind and understand people building them. I mean, I would like to eventually get into it. Like if I actually get more so into real popper, not just building some janky popper that looks fun um i would definitely look into it more yeah this is more for just deck building as an umbrella term and not just for what you and i do because what you and i do or at least what you do is a little different (laughs) but like when i am brewing decks for formats that i'm not just playing with the, the homies uh that that brewing process involves a lot of consideration for things outside of my control where it's like, what are people playing? What am I going to need to put in to my sideboard or my actual deck to deal with stuff? Because there's been times where uh, Spirits in Modern is a good example, where if the meta at large, a lot of people are playing a lot of single targeted removal spells, I'm going to shift to playing more of a particular card like Rattle Chains or Selfless Spirit than if people are playing other cards that are maybe like spell based and don't affect my my creatures as much i'm gonna maybe forego playing some creatures to play some kind of counter magic or play some kind of interaction with what my opponent's doing or at very least pack my sideboard full of things that can deal with that shit i got you i'll definitely compensate for not having a sideboard by making the cards and the toolbox in my deck a lot more general like using O-Ring over Journey to Nowhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like, that's I think that's that a... what comes up in lieu of a sideboard in my decks is just more general-based And I removal. think that's, that's really important. Because, I mean, in a, 
in a world where you're facing up against a bunch of creatures, obviously Journey to Nowhere is much better than O-Ring. Right. But in a world where anybody could be doing anything, right. O-Ring just deals with so much that that card just being one additional mana but being able to answer anything. Right. It The power level is through the roof. I did, however, look into a meta kind of recently before going off and doing my thing. Because originally we had talked about making popper decks out of standard cards. Oh, this is what I wanted to transition into. Perfect. Because my original plan was to take the top decks in the meta and make them pop. Popify them. Popify them, sure. That's really <laughs> fucking hard to do because top decks in the meta... Are all rares. Yeah, there's a lot of rares in them. Um, <laughs> so they... I mean, sure, I could make a red decks win... A red deck wins deck, but it's not going to look like the top of the meta. Absolutely. But it came into consideration for a second before I realized that it's not going to happen. No, and I that's another cool thing that we have been doing recently. Uh, I think this is one brought on because we have been talking more frequently about magic and getting into more magic formats. And with everything that's going on with the pandemic and whatnot, uh, we've had more time to play magic. <laughs> Certainly have. Yeah, so wanting to break off into different formats. Or make your own format. Or making your own format is what we're into. Like, we did it with the Jumpstart packs that we built. We did it with Wood Nickel. And now we're moving into Standard Popper. Correct. Now, a few decks that I put together are only half of Standard. The latter half, not the shit that's going to rotate out here in a month or so. So I only used Eldraine, Theros, Sikoria, and M21. And just threw a couple like little things together they have their like mini themes but it's definitely an interesting take uh, my white one uses like daybreak chimera and it's uh got a couple enchantment based things in it the blue one is fuck i even forget it's like flyers for the most part like usually just general um decks that already get built during like limited runs yeah. i guess just like very what... very good limited decks is what you're looking at Basically, yes, refined, limited. Um, and it was a lot of fun to just do them and not have a lot of options. I'm not smart enough to break any of these decks. Really liked uh, Drowsing Tyranodon in limited, so it was fun to put that in a little stompy deck that I Hell put together. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Whisper Squad from Akoria because it's Whoa! very much so on the lines of that popper deck. It also and... shares a word with Squadron Hawk, so it already gets a plus. Well, yeah. Could you imagine a Whisper Squad ruling Whisper Squadron in... Hawk. On a squadron hawk, whispering secret squad, nothing. Okay, wizards, if you're listening, uh, Zendikar, good time to make that. <laughs> squadron hawk came out in Zendikar. I'm just saying. I also I just read the flavor text for this whisper squad. Ears can't hear them. Eyes see too many of them. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty hard flavor text. That is sick. I really That's like that. Cool. But yeah, I am excited to play some standard popper. Which it's one thing that. It's pretty easily accessible, especially on Arena. Oh, 100% is it easy. So to we get to move away from the Magic Online interface and move to the Arena interface, which is, it feels almost like a different game, which is cool. Sometimes, yeah. It's, it's I mean, it's, it's <laughs> at very least just a palette cleanser. It's definitely more refined. Yeah, polished. I'm That's not saying that I like Arena more. I'm going on the record to say I hate Arena, but I will utilize it for this popper standard thing. Love that last week we just talked about you denouncing it, and then this week we're just like, back on the train, boys. Let's go. That's a big 10-4. Lord Trussell, <laughs> you're on the train. 
to get it's not it's not complicated with burning tree emissary it's complicated with magic arena actually <laughs> but i challenge anyone out there to break this fucking little for- mini format i want to see something just bonkers in it that blows me away that i did yeah. not see originally well on- i'll post my couple decks in the discord if anybody gives a shit yep on our fetch and shock discord we do have deck lists posted for this format so if you're interested in joining us with that and not even just the popper standard if you're interested in playing commander with us in wood nickel or any of other our other formats that we play help. online we can play just, online arena just play, with the web just play magic yeah pop on the discord talk about magic. hey rupert where could they find the discord at probably in a link in this podcast yeah it's in the description where if, if there was one other place where they could find it where could they find it the fetch and shock twitter you, at fetch underscore shock and they say that they can't teach an old dog new tricks <laughs> you know i'm getting up there in my years but i you nailed it dude <laughs> well rupert yeah the fans have been listening for like fucking three hours and they have no idea that we still have shit to talk about Oh, unbelievably so. If you <laughs> thought that this train had brakes, you were wrong. All gas, no brakes. Shout out Absolutely. <laughs> All gas, no brakes. Uh, yeah, we have... I know we foregoed the MTG Top 5 last week that the Fetch and Shock boys typically do, but this week, we couldn't let you down. Me and Rupert did think of a Top 5. True that. Um, be honest, I didn't give it insane thought, but I think that's better because it might make for a more relevant natural list well if it makes you feel any better the top five that i wrote i wrote uh while we were playing our game to warm up for this podcast so perfect everything is fresh in the brain we're ready to pull (laughs) into it rupert do you have any honorable mentions i certainly do i have two and they fall in very similar boats i have arcades arcades the strategist is the one in a bant for a three five flying vigilance Whenever a creature with Defender enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. And then each creature you control with Defender assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. And you can attack as though it didn't have Defender. Yeah, big butt daddy. But it specifically says it doesn't just straight up switch their power and toughness because it no. keeps them fucking bodied. Yo, big butt daddy. And then Dorn is a really awesome junk 0-5. Each creature assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. And I would definitely go more Tree Folk with that deck than Defender, but Arcades would definitely be like the quality play where Doran's like the flavor play. Yeah, I But both of them are awesome and definitely- Oh, they're both great. Yeah, for sure. What about you? Do you got any other Arcades is black and blue, right? Black, no, it's Bant. No, it's Bant. It's green, white. Oh yeah, I love that card. I do have one one honorable mention. What you got? Did we see what our top five was? Holy fuck, we didn't. This is a top five of random cards that no one has any fucking idea what we're talking about. Yeah, this is the top five of you have to guess what the top five is. <laughs> it's like Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the top five Jeopardy podcast. Oh, we've been recording for so long and playing Magic for so long. I've been drinking a little bit. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <exhausted>. <laughs> we've been doing this so long, I'm sober. That's the fucking problem. Incredible. This is the top five cards that we would like to brew decks around in some way, shape, or form. Thank you for remembering that because I would have 100% forgot. <laughs> interjection the podcast stuff you should know we'll do that they'll start talking about a topic or like a headline or something and then they'll be like we didn't even tell the audience what this really was we just started explaining it yeah no this is yeah this is that things you should know yeah. <laughs> read my mind fuckers 
<laughs> so what you got for me, honorary mention? My honorary mention is a card for commander that isn't actually a commander. All right. It, it is Ogothian Enchantress, which is just the one of the creatures that when you play an enchantment, you draw a card. It's the original Enchantress. Oh, I love that. There's an uncommon one of those that I always wanted to run in, Popper Commander. Yep, it's the one blue green one, or one white green one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. um, I've always wanted to build an Enchantress Legacy deck, and I've always wanted to build an Enchantress uh, Commander deck with like a bunch of bestow creatures and shit like that. But it's just one thing that I've never got around to. And with the amount of magic product and new cards that are coming out, especially this year and wizards is just like all gas, no breaks with the releases. So I feel like I'm never, ever, ever going to actually get to building this deck, but I would love to have the opportunity. And that's why it's on an mention and not actually in the top five. Fair enough. All right. How about you start us off? What is your number five? All right, my first one is a, another potential commander. And I just saw this card kind of recently. Loved its art. Super attracted me right off the bat. Didn't mind its ability. More so liked its art. Zaxara, the exemplary from uh, the Ikoria commander set. Ooh. Or just the regular commander set. Yeah. It's the uh, one black, green, blue death touch. Add two mana of one color. And then... Whenever you cast a spell with X in its mana cost, create a 0-0 green Hydra token, and then put X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. It's a 2-3. Badass. I think we played it against it in Commander one day, moderately recently. And I just fell in love with it immediately. Yeah, because it has like that almost like cartoony, like hyper contrast art. Right. Yeah, that card's sick. Like the first word you read in the text box is Death Touch, and you're like, you didn't have to tell me that. Yeah, just we, the way the that this art is... <laughs> yeah, 100%. This thing definitely looks like it would at least fucking continue. That's so killer. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't bring Infect back for this card. <laughs> so what do you got for your number five, bud? My number five is actually a nice shout-out to my good friend and host of this podcast, Matthew Bob, who has been <laughs> pushing me to start playing middle school. Not old school? No, middle school. He wants me to play old school too, but he's been brewing a lot in middle school. And he's just like, hey, dude, familiar. build a middle school. Did you guys deck. talk about this or bring it up in the podcast at one point? Oh, yeah, we most certainly. I know he's talked about old school. Right yeah, on. middle school is from like end of old school to the beginning of modern, I think. That's awesome. Yeah, and it turns out that both Wasteland and Rashadenport are in that format. And I want to brew a middle school deck that just utilizes those cards to their full advantage more than anything in the world. I obviously death and taxes. I love wasteland and port, but I just have not gotten around to brewing a middle school deck with those cards. And I need to so badly. I'm sure Matt wouldn't have any trouble taking time away from his child right now to play a little middle school with you. If you know, you got that together soon. Well, if that dickhead would Can't imagine have a kid, stop calling the, the stork. Right, keep fucking replacing them. Priorities, Matthew, priority. But yeah, I'll roll into my number four. What you got? It's Unish uh, Crucifix Sovereign. Now, Rupert. Let's assume I don't know what that is. Do do you actually know what that is? I have no fucking clue what that is. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine you do, um, because that card is actually a lord. Mm. Pseudo-lord, I guess. It is a lord for a tribe that I want to build in Woodnet. What you got for me? I have 
since we started Woodnickel, I was thinking of a, like an off the beaten path tribe that I'd love to brew with. I want to build tribal sphinxes so bad. Ooh, I like that. And Unish is a sphinx that says sphinx spells cost two less to cast. And then whenever Unish or another sphinx enters the battlefield under your control, you reveal the top four cards of your library. An opponent separates those cards into two piles and you put one into your hand, the other into your graveyard. So you just cast them in factor fiction, mini factor fiction, and then every sphinx factor fiction. I can't think of a more fun thing than just casting sphinxes and getting factor fiction. Yeah, that seems super rad. I love that. And it 1000% falls into the Woodnickel criteria. Again, a deck that I have wanted to build since we started Woodnickel, but just have never gotten around. Understood. Surprised that you didn't find time when you were building your 20 other magic decks in the format. Weird, right? Well, oh, it was supposed okay. to be the 21st, but then we built Lord of the Tresserhorn, so... Fair enough. Lord <laughs> of the Airhorn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rupert, what is your number four? My number four is the card I've had my eyes set on in Janky Popper for a while. Um, it's called Glyph of Destruction. This is a red one-drop from Legends... That reads, target wall you control gains plus 10, plus 0 when blocking. Any damage dealt to target wall is reduced to 0. Target wall is destroyed at end of turn. Oh. So this would be a force your opponent to combat wall fling combo. <laughs> it, it, might be a little, it might be a little lot. That is very convoluted, but I yeah. love it. Oh yeah, it would take a few cards. But I definitely love this fucking card. That's so target sick. wall plus 10. In what fucking world? Because of course. This card came out when I was two years of age. And I, it has not been reprinted since, needless to say. Perfect. That's my number four. What are we, do I, <laughs> am I moving on to my number three? Do you guys yeah, do your, Yeah, you're number three next. What do you got? Word. This was one that I really wanted to use for a jumpstart pack. And then I realized jumpstarts aren't too color except for just the five color ones. So it didn't seem on flavor, but I might still make it. Not 100% sure because there's definitely not enough cards to make a real commander deck out of it. Um, and it doesn't make a popper deck. I don't play other 60 card formats. So. <laughs> Galia of the Endless Dance. It's a red and the green 2-2 legendary satyr with haste. Other satyrs you control get plus one, plus one, and have haste. Uh, Whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may discard a card at random if you do draw two cards. Big fan of Greek mythology. The Theros sets themes and really love Pan. Like that nature spirit that played the fucking loot. Yeah, the loot. Yeah. uh, Basically Danny Danny DeVito. Big fan of Danny DeVito. And that's why I like this card. Oh, Danny DeVito dot deck. I get it. 100%. <laughs> what about your number three, bud? Number three and my number two are uh, both commanders. And I think the reason why I haven't built around them is because they do not fall into the wood nickel criteria. So my number three is Rin and Siri inseparable. That is the box topper for, I believe, M21. It is the cat and dog. Oh, I googled it. It's adorable. Yeah, it is the cat and dog tribal commander. So when you play a dog, you get a 1-1 cat. When you play a cat, you get a 1-1 dog. And then for Nye, you can tap it. 
and deal damage to any target equal to the number of dogs you control and gain life equal to the number of cats you control. This is I my want new favorite to build thing. I want to build a tribal dogs deck so fucking bad, especially since they made the change to text where hounds are all now dogs. This deck is super doable and I want to build this so bad. I am waiting patiently. It is at one dollar and eighty eight cents. So it's a dollar eighty eight on mine. Under five soon. If that ever gets to under five cents, that will be the quickest wood nickel deck ever built. <laughs> I mean that that sample size is pretty small, but it will be built immediately. I absolutely uh, into number two. No, but hold on. Before oh, that, I'm so sorry. I wanted to the the idea that I had with this deck, which is my favorite part of it. I want to put Perforos and Impact Tremors in this. And then whenever I play a cat or a dog, it makes more cats and dogs and hurts my opponent. Because I can't imagine if it's ever actually raining cats and dogs that it wouldn't actually hurt people. I thought I was sorry before about cutting you off. I didn't realize how sorry I was. <laughs> I'm in awe. That's, that's the best. That's, that's flavor right there, bud. That's so fucking good. Oh my god. It would be raining cats and dogs, my dude. My fucking head's gonna explode. My palate can't handle that much flavor. No, that's a flavor bomb. Oh my god. That's some sophisticated palate shit right there. That, god damn. That would bleach Guyfi hair to even blonder than it already is. It'd be like neon white. Like you couldn't even look directly at it without those fucking like eclipse glasses or some shit. <laughs> that's far out. Yeah, that's I, I knew you Hell yeah, I love that. Big ups. Yeah. So my number two, it literally can't get better than that as far as concepts go. Yeah, that's number two. That was number three, rather. Full. Well, I mean, that one's the best flavor one. But just as far as me wanting to brew around this card, it's been around longer. So it makes me want to I've been pining over it for a longer amount of time. It is Kenrith, the returned king. He's the oh, five color box topper from Eldrain. Yeah. Yep. And man, love there's that. something about these box toppers that I love. The second, actually, the first time that I ever played against this card was with you, Rupert. It was you and me and our buddy uh, Tyler, who uh, had one of these decks, and he has a pile of commander decks, and we all just kind of picked out of them randomly. And I picked up Kenrith and played with it, and immediately was just like, oh, I want to do my own thing with this card. I don't Fair know enough. exactly what I want to do, whether I want to do like tribal curses or I think my Which is what he did. Yeah. My main idea that I wanted to do off the gate with it. I want to build a deck that is all of the cards that are modal in magic, like all of the charms, all of the commands, all of the cards like that, jam them all into one deck and make a mono choices deck. A toolbox for your toolbox, basically. Toolboxes on toolboxes on toolboxes. Hey, dude, I, I heard you like toolboxes, so I put a toolbox where you can put your toolboxes so you can have toolboxes while you have toolboxes. One of those deals. This is now the Fetch and Shock Snap-On podcast. <laughs> yeah, Fetch and Shock sponsored by Snap-On. <laughs> if you go to the Snap-On website and use code uh, Fetch and Shock at checkout... Uh, you get exactly 0% discount and we get no benefit. Yeah, so go to strapon.com <laughs> and check that out. All right, dude, so what are your final two? <laughs> All right. my I'm going to say my next one. It's not a good card. It's not a good card even for being a card that I want to build around in Popper, let alone jank Popper. 
The card's called Cannibalize, and it is one in a black for a sorcery that says choose two target creatures controlled by any one player. Remove one of those creatures from the game, put two plus one plus one counters on the other. No fucking clue where I would utilize this card, but I saw it the other night in passing. I love the art. The ability's interesting. The flavor text just says mine. <laughs> no way! Yeah, I, I, I don't know. This card's not good, but there's something about it that really makes me want to play it somehow in a deck or find. I don't even know if I want to build with this card. I just want to brew with this card if we're using the definitions from earlier in the podcast. Ugh. I just want to find one or two cards that this card works with on some level. Oh, that card has so much flavor, too. Holy shit. Uh, did you Google it? Yeah, Look at this little shield. Nuts. This little shield is cool. It, like, has a face on it. Yeah, the art is great. The the ability with the name, that correlation yeah. between the two, is out of this world. I mean, the flavor text just being mine. Right. It's <laughs> so good. And then Robert Bliss. What a cool name. Shout out to you, Robert Bliss. Great illustration. Moving on from that, number one, Zedru the Great Hearted. I've wanted to build this deck for so fucking long. Oh, God. I've been... I, yeah, Zedrup. I've been very fucking close to building it, and I just want to give you shit that you really don't want. He's called the Great Hearted, but he's a snake in the fucking... At the beginning of your upkeep, you retain X life and draw X cards where X is the number of permanents you own that your opponents control. So, O-ringing their shit, at the beginning of your upkeep, you're gaining a life and drawing a card. Or you could use things like Gilded Dragon, which is way too fucking rich for my blood. But just straight up when it enters the play, you swap it with another creature in play. Things like that. And then you can pay America for it and target opponent gains control. Jeskai, target opponent gains control, target permanent you control. It's weird saying those new three color names. They're not even that new. I would say they're only about like uh, eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to junk. and I don't even know what junk is. What's junk now? Uh, junk is Abzan. Abzan. I don't fucking know. But yeah, really like this card. Really wanted to build around it. I've been very close. Almost pulled the trigger on it once, and now I don't have a tangible version of that deck list anymore, so I'd have to restart. But that's okay. I probably will eventually and build this one. Like, not wood nickel, no restrictions. This would just be, like, my go-to pet deck, I guess. Yeah, kind of like my Krufix deck, but this would be your version of it. Right. I've had, like, other decent ones in the past and just never really stuck with them, I guess, but thoroughly enjoy this guy. Girl. Oh, yeah. This You've thing. been talking about this card for a while. Right. It, it was just, it couldn't have not been my number one. It was the first card. It was immediately added to the list and right in the number one slot. What about your number one, man? Well, my number one has also been in that same uh, ilk, something that I've always wanted to build, but just have never got around to it because I've never felt uh, that it met my criteria. So I'm kind of just waiting for Wizards to print something that makes me really dive in headfirst on it. This is more of a concept than a specific card. Oh. Because, like I said, this specific card doesn't exist yet. Esper Spirit Commander. I need Fair it. Fair enough. Because... We, you know that Magic listens to your podcast. Wizards. Wizards, if in Zendikar you don't make an Esper Spirit Commander, I'm done. I'm tying... I'm severing ties. <laughs> We're through. Also, add enough Satyrs in there to be able to make a Commander deck. Thanks, bye. Am I wrong, or isn't there some... Was, well, I guess, kind of pandemic threw things off a of track. But, um... Wasn't there supposed to be a, a Commander-exclusive set coming out this year? Oh, there definitely is. It's at the end of the year. Oh, word. Right on. I just remembered that. I forgot how much attention that format was getting this year, and it's really yeah. pumping me up. So I might get my my Esper Commander for Spirits, but I, I need to be an actual Spirit and a playable one that has some kind of uh, something to do with Spirits. At least a Lord? 
Yeah, like right now I have like Geis of St. Draft, which is only blue white, and like Brago, that is also only blue white. But if I don't get to jam Lingering Souls into the deck, is it really a Spirits deck? No. Exactly. There's so, a lot of cool black spirits. Oh my god, there are so many cool ones. Like I want to play all of my absolute favorite ones, like Spellcaller and stuff in that deck. But just the addition to black, one just gives the deck so much more depth. And it gives it so much more power. So it's not just going to be one-dimensional, like a blue-white control deck that just kind of has spirits in it. Fair enough. What? Let me ask you this, then. What is a reasonable card in your head that you would like to see printed for this? What's your ideal reasonable Esper Spirit Commander? What's it do? What's card toughness? What's its CMC? What's its flavor? Okay. So this is just me off the top of my dome because you ne- you have not asked me this question before. And I didn't, I didn't even know ask myself this question. Oh, man, that's actually a really tough question. I would say that the mana cost has to be pretty low because spirits in general have a pretty low mana cost. So like one white, blue, black for like a 3-3, three, three, obviously flying spirit. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, it's too easy to say spirits get a plus one, plus one. So I'm not going to do that. A lot of them seem to. To have like a little bit higher power than toughness. Am I wrong some of the times? I don't think I ever see them with like a higher toughness. You could just give it like plus one plus zero. Um, I mean, you could do that. Yeah, I mean, that would be... This isn't my fucking shit. I don't care about spirits. Keep going. I don't even think you need to affect the power and toughness to give it a good flavor. I would honestly, even though it's kind of a boring evergreen, but giving your spirits vigilance, I think would be really flavorful. Because not a lot of spirits have vigilance, but like having your Lord spirit behind you, like gives you the the ability to not tap to be vigilant. I like that. That would be super flavorful. And then also something that like a reincarnation ability would be kind of cool to give it maybe a little bit more play outside of just spirits. Like when a spirit dies, create like a like two one one human creature tokens interesting okay like how like how cool would that be like that the spirit commander like the spirit lord like allows spirits to like either possess humans or just like when they cease to exist like become human again like when a spirit dies create a token exile that creature and then create a token that's a copy of that card except for it is a human instead of a spirit like Um, what about Haunt. Spirits you control enter the battlefield with Haunt. Haunt would be cool. Haunt is a mechanic that they kind of, they. I mean, they haven't done in a very long time, but that would right. be cool to bring it back. Oh, I think it's only OG Ravnica. And yep. just, I just love the, some of the old um, keywords are so cool to me. Or mechanics, rather. There's a lot of ways that they could take it that I would be satisfied or just, just very, very excited about. Fair enough. Um, just doing it, I would be so happy. It doesn't even have to be great. It just has to be okay. And I would be over the moon about it. I hear you. So Wizards, that commander set that you're, you're brewing up, give it to me so then I could be brewing something up. Hell yeah. That's a pretty please from uh, the Fetch and Shock Boy. What fun a top five is. The top five is great, dude. Oh, what a good addition. I like the top fives. I wish I knew the person who gave me the idea for that. I'm a cocky enough asshole, so I'm not even going to say a goddamn <laughs> word. The fact that you were the person who gave me the idea <laughs> to put that in. You and Matt have come up with such good ideas that go along the way, like for top fives. Oh, yeah, we're geniuses. I look forward to that segment, like, 
a lot more than a lot of the podcasts like i'm always like obviously i want to hear what the topics are and hear your guys just go back and forth but i love hearing a good top five from you it's a good soul searching activity everybody loves a good top five boys but you know what else everybody loves rupert what's that everybody loves a good game i do love a good game this week we have two games two games day apparently you have a game for me what is that i have a a game for you you into playing accumulated knowledge I was just going to force fuck you into playing Take Inventory, oh, a strictly worse version of Accumulated Knowledge and a strictly worse version of Frantic Inventory, as it's a sorcery that reads exactly the same as those other two instants. You dirty fuck. I can't believe that you took the intro and now you're taking the game from me. This is the Fetch and Shock Rupert Takeover podcast. I can't believe I'm being usurped. There's I can't wait Mac gets back and I have a fucking better co-host. I'm fucking getting old. <laughs> put me through the ringer i'll put you through the ringer mine's not really an accumulated knowledge i'm not doing the scryfall thing i just came up with five tyler specific questions oh god so this is for this is just me right yeah oh, god. I, just couple, I just put a little a little quiz together for you i guess a little rupert's it. okay so we are not playing accumulated knowledge this week rupert has <laughs> decided to <laughs> usurp me and take control and now I am being put to the test on my own podcast. And about is, again, things that about things that you care about too. So I'm I was made like to look like a, a fool last asshole. week when I lost being asked about comments, which is what apparently I know about. So now I'm going to try to make you look like a fool, knowing things that you care about or oh, not knowing things. So the shout out at the end of the episode is on the the table for this. <laughs> sure is. Oh God. Well, yeah. Let's move into. Uh, this take inventory. This take inventory, I guess. I don't. I saw take inventory. I I wasn't gonna make you play a game, and then I saw that there was a sorcery version. I was like, isn't frantic inventory an instant? Is this a strictly worse version of it? Absolutely. Perfect. It Let's run with it. Oh so, God. First questions first, Mister Lee. You you have a tattoo. It's um a silent arbiter. Four drops, one five from Dark Steel or Fifth Dawn originally, rather. Fifth Dawn, yep. Its flavor text reads: Scholars say that arbiters exist on every world, created by what for what? Oh, I think I actually know this. You don't oh, get all. It's not like an option, right? Nope. <laughs> you have this motherfucker tattooed on you. It's true, I do. And the point is to make you look like a fool. So these aren't supposed to be easy. <laughs> What it's scholars say that arbiters exist arbiters on are there for created by what to what? Oh, I, I, I'm oh my god, I'm gonna feel like such an asshole if I don't have this exactly right. <laughs> I know it's too literally in, the first question I developed. I know it's to enforce justice, it sure is. Oh, but there's a word what well, was created to it was created by something to enforce justice it's something hand it's funny that you don't know i think it's it begins with a u is it an unknown hand you're a cunt is it there i want to say because i uh, listen if i'm gonna go get the thing tattooed on me i'm gonna know everything about the card (laughs) i really wanted you to know this flavor text and originally i was just gonna make you come up with enforced justice and i was like yeah i want to say i think i can recite the entire thing it's scholars say that arbiters exist on every plane created by an unknown hand to enforce justice. Nailed it. Verbatim. Ah, fuck yeah, that feels so good. I was going to do something with either that card or cheat. I couldn't decide. 
I don't know if I would be able to do the cheaty face one, but you better fucking bet I could do the Silent Arbiter one. That cheaty face has flavor. It sure does not. Oh, that's such a bummer. Moving on, you're one for one. hey yo, That's going to be the last one I get. All right. In the Kawagama block, there were seven spirits printed. They are called Zubra spirits. They're the only time that these seven spirits were printed. It was only in the Kawagama block. It's the only time you see Zubra spirit anywhere. Oh, God. Give me one. One of them. I don't even know if I can give you one. I was going to make you give me more originally, but I don't. I don't. Think I can these give things are one. so fucking bad. You would not have ever played these. Oh, boy. I don't even think I can give you one of them. I have never <laughs> heard the word Zubra in my entire life. Z-U-B-E-R-A. Wait, is it like accumulated knowledge? Can I get at least a hint? They are all two words with a hyphen between them before the word Zubra in their name. So it's something something Zubera. Correct. Uh, uh, hard dick Zubera. <laughs> Somehow that is not one of them. That's so fucked. Why would it not be? <laughs> you have ashen skin, burning eye, dripping tongue, ember fist, floating dream, rushing tide, and silent chant. You're Ugh. one for two. So why is so? It's not hard dick Zubera. No, no hard dick Zubera. Okay, so for anybody listening, make Hard Dick Zubra and make text for it, and so I am technically right. All right. Little U.S. history question. Oh, fuck me. You play a deck called Death and Taxes. Who originally has a quote and is credited for saying Death and Taxes within their quote originally? Oh, God damn it. Oh, you're so good at this, and it's so bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no is it in u.s history eh? i gave you a pretty good hint oh that's not the greatest hint but that's a decent C what just said it's you in u.s history correct that's obviously uh i don't know is it fucking george washington ben franklin on Fuck. november 13th 1789 our new constitution is now established and has an appearance that promises permanency but in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death, death and, and taxes. taxes. And white weenie. All right. You need to get the next two. And I set up the fifth question, hoping that you would have gotten at least three right by then. You I created did. a format called Woodnickel that we all play religiously these days. Sure. And obviously, you need a commander for Wood. How many legal commander options using type creature, type legendary, legal and commander, price less than or equal to to five ticks in Scryfall, how many options, give or take 10, do we have? Oh my god, we have like 1,200, don't we? No, less than that, we have... We have less than that. <laughs> okay, hold on, let me do math real quick. So, <laughs> there are 60 cards per page on Scryfall. Yep. Yeah. That, I will tell you as a fact. There are six pages worth of wood nickel commanders on Scryfall. There's six. I didn't look at the page. So that would mean there's like 360. It might not be a full page. Though. Oh, that last page might not be full. Fuck. There are six pages on Scryfall of Wood Nickel Commanders. I'm going to say 360 options. You can be within 10. So even if you got, you got 350 to 370, right? Okay, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that action. All right, you're 200 off. There are 519 oh, commander options in our format. <laughs> God damn it. I was so close. Yeah, only 200 off. You're fine. 200? 519. Oh, no. Not, not 390. 590. Oh, That's like more than half or just 
just on par with half with every legal commander in actual commander. Yeah, shout out to Woodnickel being shout very... out to things worth less than five ticks. Shout out yeah, to sh- Modo. Shout out to cheap shit. All right, you already lost, so now I don't care. Question number five, Tyler. Oh God. Would you say Pax on that one time? Would you say Pax on that one time? Oh no. <laughs> this is like Zach talking about you pissing your. I don't know. I I genuinely don't know. All right, follow up question: How many windows do you prefer in a room at any given time? How many windows? Yeah, do you prefer in a room at any given time? Uh, three. All right, you're still only two for three, so you still lost this week of take inventory. Oh, so that I got, I did get the last one right though. It's an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> when you were going to Cal, you asked me that question fucking super randomly, and I think about it all the time. Oh, I did do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it led me to being asking people how important it is to be able to reach their right pocket with their left hand and vice versa. It's the only question I have on par with how many windows do you prefer in a room at any given time? Yeah, that used to be my thing. I used to just ask people just hyper-specific random questions. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, I used to ask my 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 three go-to ones were the two that you just mentioned. How many windows do you prefer in a room? Uh, and how quick can you reach your left pocket with your right hand? Perfect. And what is your favorite color on the grayscale? <laughs> Pick a slate or onyx. Um, yeah, I I usually do slate. Slate is my go. Fair enough. Slightly oh. whiter gray. <laughs> Shout out this week goes to the Adam Smith Institute for telling me all about Ben Franklin and his quote featuring death and taxes. I can't believe it. <laughs> the fuck Ben Franklin. <laughs> I thought that you actually might know that. I didn't know that. I'm not saying I knew the answer to any of these questions. I have no Fucking. Well, I had apparently I only knew the answer to one of the four questions. But you did get that thing tattooed on yourself, so I'm really glad if you would have gotten one of them. It's the one that you paid a hundred, several hundred dollars to like commemorate. Oh yeah, it was it's it, it was more than a hundred bucks. Yeah, several. Uh, <laughs> worth it. Yeah, but I do at least I do know something about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Love it. <laughs> I'm really glad that you lost because you made me lose. You didn't make me lose. I just suck and I lost and Zach won. Yeah, I've been a salty dog for a couple weeks. So Then you strangle-held me this week <laughs> with <laughs> cards <laughs> about Ben Franklin <laughs> and a very specific number of cards that exist. I gave you a give or take. <laughs> by 10? And I missed it by You needed 200. Fuck. <laughs> Oh, my only other shout out this week goes to Grounded, the fucking video game. I don't care about magic. Grounded is the fucking shit. Hit me up in the Discord if you want to fucking play this game. It's $30 or in early access right now. It's a fucking blast. It's basically Bugs Life meets Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's a sandbox game, and it's the most fucking fun I've had playing a video game in so long. Big shout out to Grounded. Oh, so you don't? we don't have any magic shout outs this week? Um, honestly, the places that I use, I do have them written down. Tapped out, Scryfile, MTG Assist, DDH Rec, and Card Hoarder for getting cards from the internet to Magic the Gathering online. Um, Card Hoarder is super easy, and I love Card Hoarder. You've definitely shouted it out before. Absolutely. Um, All of these services are super nice and super helpful. Yeah, low-key, this entire episode was a shout-out for just things that we use during our deck-building processes. So, yeah, go check those things out. Uh, Hopefully... Some of y'all learned something or at least gleamed some sort of information from this talk. If not, uh, 
hopefully you at least laughed at the convoy reference. Yeah, if you got it. Um, yeah, if you take away anything from this podcast, it's honestly convoy. It's a decent enough song to listen. Okay, yeah, perfect. And convoy and Charlie the movie. Manson, Charlie Manson wasn't all bad. No, no, he made some okay things. He also ended some things, but he made some really good things. 100%. <laughs> God damn it. Well, Rupert, uh, there's only a couple more things to do. One of them is to give a little shout out to the Fetch and Shock Twitter. That is Fetch underscore Shock. Go follow that to keep in touch with the podcast and what's going on. Uh, make sure to go there and uh, comment what you would do with Lord of Tressorhorn. Because we're interested bre- to hear. Oh, and break. Um, the standard popper format for me because I'm not yeah, smart if, enough to. If you want to break the standard popper format, the best place to do that is probably the Fetch and Shock Discord, which again you can find in the description of this episode, or you can find it on Twitter on the Fetch and Shock Twitter. Right at Fetch underscore Shock. That's the one. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Basic Landbin. If you want to find my co-host that doesn't actually exist, Matt, he is at It's Bob. If you want to find Rupert, uh, he actually doesn't exist, but you can find him on the Fetch and Shock Discord. Literally the only place. And I, have a, I have a Google Drive of like really nice pictures of Colorado. That's the closest thing I have to social media, though. Oh, when you're ready to release that to the world, trust me, the Fetch and Shock podcast will put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and additionally, last thing, that if you are looking to buy any kind of magic product, whether it be sealed product or singles, you should go to flipsidegaming.com at checkout. You use the code fetch and you will get 10% off your order. That helps out the podcast a ton. So go do that. All right, Rupert, you ready to do uh, one last thing to do, bud? There's one more thing, but I already did the shout outs. I did used to have a friend that when he was done with whatever he had to say on the phone, he would not say goodbye he just hung up i loved it oh that's uh it didn't ever come across as like rude it was just like we're done here i'm not gonna waste any more of either of us this time but like you didn't even say bye fuck the pleasantries just be done but we have some pleasantries oh absolutely and it starts with see you later later,